نعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ربي اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedi'uz Zaman Sa'id Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. A rough translation of the section we will be reflecting upon today, inshallah, will be posted on this website too. Just go to podcasts, then words, then the 13th word and scroll down to the relevant uh, section. And so we are continuing with the 13th word in this episode, inshallah. The 13th word, Ustad Nursi introduced it as follows. If you want to compare the products of the wisdoms of the wisdomful Quran and the sciences of philosophy, as well as the lessons of their teachings and the levels of their knowledge, Pay attention to the words to come. This word has two, uh, what Stad Nursi calls stations. And the first station is about this, the comparison of the products, lessons, and the levels of knowledge of the Quran and philosophy that has not been guided by revel- revelation. As a beginning, we talked about how the uh, the sciences and philosophies that have not been guided by revelation show us uh, the miracles of power in the cosmos, the happenings of life and, and, and what we call nature as ordinary things, as worthless, as valueless, as normal, as something devoid of wonder and, and, and awe, right? When we look around this cosmos, we are supposed to be awestruck, but we are not. We are taught that this is happening because that is pulling this and that is pulling, pushing that, and there is an electron here, and the proton attracts the electron, and uh, there is a, you know, what they call a capillary reaction. Things just go up in a tiny pipe, and this is all normal, etc., etc. Whereas the Quran shows us that these are all miracles of power and they are manifestations of the tremendousness, the beauty, the perfection, the majesty of God. The sciences and philosophies that have not been guided by revelation tell us that things that have fallen out of the the perfection that God has uh, installed in the creation the perfection and beauty that he has ordained in the creation, things that have fallen out of it for a specific purpose to show us that it could be like that too. Like a, let's say, five-legged lamb or a two-legged cow, right? Something that is not perfect, that, that has lost its perfection. Sciences and philosophies that have not been guided by revelation 
show those to us as extraordinary and expect us to be moved by it, right? Yes, we will be moved by it because there's a lesson in it. It shows that, look, how perfect your Lord has created everything and how perfectly he's maintaining everything. He could have made it in this way and you could have had troubles and problems, but he did not do that. This is only an exception that proves the rule and the rule is that these are miracles of power. So the Quran shows us things as they are, which is that they are miracles of power. And because the Quran talks about tremendous things, which is everything, right? But it shows us the tremendousness, the perfection, the beauty and majesty as manifest from the names, attributes of names and attributes and conducts of God. It does not need to embellish its words. They are already beautiful. They are already perfect. They are already tremendous and majestic. Therefore, it's not poetry because poetry is about embellishing that which is not at the level of uh, perfection that the poet wants to show it as, as perfect to that level. So we talked about these and now we will continue uh, the, the same discussion with the following. Bismillah. Kur'an'ın her bir ayeti birer necmi sakıp gibi ecaz ve hidayet nurunu neşirle küfrün zulümatını nasıl dağıttığını görmek, zevk etmek istersen kendini o asr-ı cahiliyette ve sahra-i bedeviyette farz et ki her şey zulmet-i cehil ve gaflet altında perde-i cümud-u tabiata sarılmış olduğu bir anda birden Kur'an'ın lisan-ı ulvisinden Auzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yusabbihu lillahi ma fis semawati ve ma fil ardil melikil kuddusil azizil hakim. Gibi ayetleri eşit bak. O ölmüş veya yatmış mevcudatu alem yusabbihu sadasıyla işitenlerin zihninde nasıl diriliyor, hoşyar oluyorlar, kıyam edip zikrediyorlar. Hem o karanlık gökyüzünde birer camit ateşpare olan yıldızlar ve yerdeki perişan mahlukat tusebbihu lehu's-semâvâtu sebû vel-ardû sahâsıyla işitenlerin nazarında gökyüzü bir ağız bütün yıldızlar birer kelime-i hikmet nüma birer nuru hakikat eda ve arz bir kafa ber ve bahr birer lisan ve bütün hayvanat ve nebatat birer kelime-i tesbih ve şan suretinde arzı didar eder Yoksa bu zamandan ta o zamana bakmakla mezkur zevkin de kaykını göremezsin. If you want to see and taste how each and every verse of the Quran dispels the darkness of disbelief like a piercing star. And Najm al-Saqib, this is a, a, a phrase from the Quran, 86th verse, uh, chapter, 3rd verse. How each and every verse of the Quran dispels the darkness of disbelief like a piercing star by spreading the light of miraculousness and guidance. Assume yourself in that age of ignorance and on that desert of Bedouins that while everything is covered by the darkness of ignorance and heedlessness and wrapped in the lifeless veil of the nature here suddenly from the Quran's lofty tongue Bismillah. 
يسبح لله ما في السماوات وما في الأرض الملك القدوس العزيز الحكيم Everything in the heavens and earth glorifies God, the King, the Holy One, the Almighty, the Wise. Quran chapter 62 verse 1. So, Sadnursa here is telling us, yes, this is miraculous, yes, this is awe-inspiring, but if you want to really taste the effect that this can make on the human mind and heart, in the human heart, then imagine yourself imagine yourself in the darkness of the ignorance of the time before the arrival of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and see how the quran is suddenly like a piercing star dispelling darkness and bringing in light tearing apart darkness the veil of darkness see the impact of that try to feel the suddenness and shock and awe that comes from that by spreading the light of miraculousness and guidance assume yourself in that age of ignorance on that desert of bad ones that while everything is covered by the darkness of ignorance and heedlessness and wrapped in the lifeless veil of the nature here suddenly from the quran's lofty tongue Everything in the heavens and earth glorifies God, the King, the Holy One, the Almighty, the Wise. See how in the minds of the listeners, and also imagine yourself as, as one of those listeners, those deceased and sleeping existent beings of the realm come to life with the sound of Yusebihu, glorifies. They were glorifying before you witnessed but you were not aware you were not witnessing their glorification you were blinded to it now the quran is opening your eyes you were in darkness and therefore you were not seeing it the now the quran is enlightening illuminating everything and showing how they are glorifying how they are awakened and how they stand in remembrance before their lord reciting his names, manifesting his names and attributes and conducts. Then those stars, which are each a lifeless piece of fire in that dark sky, look at the sky, look at the firmament on a night, clear night. What does astronomy tell you? They are lifeless pieces of fire. Yes, big, but do they have anything that would be awe-inspiring? beyond their massiveness, beyond their bigness, beyond their size? Do they have meaning? Is there meaning to that size? Everything that is big is smaller in comparison to something bigger. The earth, yes, it is big. But compared to the sun, the earth is like a you know, tiny ball. So it loses that majesty. But if you put the meaning in it, then things change. The Quran puts the meaning in things. Science and philosophy that is not guided by revelation takes meaning out of things. Then those stars, which are each a lifeless piece of fire in that dark sky, and the miserable creatures on earth with the cry of السماوات, والأرض, the seven heavens and the earth 
glorify him. This is Quran chapter 17 verse 44. Each present their countenance in the sight of those who hear. How do they present themselves? The sky in the form of a mouth. Each star a word of wisdom and a light of truth. The earth in the form of a head. The seas and the lands each as tongues and each animal and plant and ev- an ever glorifying word. Everything. Everything starts to speak, starts to talk, comes to life, presents meanings to us. They always present those meanings, but it's a matter of whether we are able to hear, see, perceive, understand those meanings. The Quran gives us the perspective. The Quran gives us the lens to look with so that we can see those meanings. We can see those meanings only and only if, if we look with the lens from the perspective of monotheism. Only if we relate them to their Lord, to God, because that is the source of meaning. Otherwise, you cannot see the subtle details of the taste that is mentioned above by looking from this time to that time. You cannot perceive those subtle details that are that Ustad Nurse is talking about above by looking from the time that you live in when the freshness of that message is not there anymore. You have not witnessed that darkness. And there may be individuals who have witnessed that darkness in their lives and then who they, they see the light and they convert to Islam. So those perhaps may understand this better and I have I have had friends in the in that situation. It is they who who really value the faith that they are given as a gift that they are gifted with. But everybody everybody needs to try to understand this. Everybody needs to try to understand this comparison between the darkness of disbelief and the light. The the fresh light of faith. We all should try to visualize that, imagine that, so that so that the, the value, the preciousness of our faith, the preciousness of this perspective that allows us, that enables us to see things as they are and to see and perceive the meaning in them is really internalized in our hearts. Evet, o zamandan beri nurunu neşreden ve mürur-u zamanla ulûm-u müteârife hükmüne geçen ve sair neyirat-ı İslamiye ile parlayan ve Kur'an'ın güneşiyle gündüz rengini alan ve bir bir vaziyet ile gündüz rengini alan bir vaziyet ile yahut sathî ve basit bir perdeyi ülfet ile baksan elbette her bir ayetin ne kadar tatlı bir zemzemeyi icaz içinde ne çeşit zulümatı dağıttığını hakkıyla göremezsin ve birçok enva-ı icazı içinde bu nevi icazın icazını zevk edemezsin. Yes, if you look with a state that has been spreading its light since that time. So that light has been spreading since that time and we were not born into the darkness. We were born into the light. We have been basking in the light of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No matter whether we had troubles in our lives or not, no matter whether this is an age that is really, really 
disgusting and you know, consumerism has taken over and people perhaps have fallen into individualism, etc., etc. There are all sorts of nasty things that are happening in this time. But regardless of all of those, we are still basking in the light of the sun of messengership, the Prophet ﷺ, the beloved of God. We have not seen the darkness. If you look with a state that has been spreading its light since that time, or in a state that, that in which that light has been spreading since that time, that has become a known thing with the passage of time, and that assumes the color of the day from the sun of the Quran and shines with other illuminations of Islam. Or, if you look with a superficial veil of familiarity, of course, of course you cannot truly see how each verse dispels various kinds of darkness with such a sweet recital of miraculousness, and you cannot taste this miraculousness among many types of miraculousness that the Quran has. This is a sweet miraculousness that we, we, we see in the Quran, and we can taste while reciting the Quran, while while reflecting upon the reality that it is describing to us. How so? Ustad Nursi is going to open this up a little bit more for us. Quran mu'ajizul beyanan en yüksek bir derece-i e'cazına bak. Şu temsil dürbünüyle bak. If you want to look at a most high degree of the Quran of miraculous elucidations, miraculousness, look through the binoculars of this representation. Şöyle ki, gayet yüksek ve garip ve gayetle yayılmış acip bir ağaç farz edelim ki, o ağaç bir perdeyi gayb altında, bir tabakayı mesuriyet içinde saklanmış. Malumdur ki, bir ağacın insanın azaları gibi, onun dalları, meyveleri, yaprakları, çiçekleri gibi bütün uzuvları arasında bir münasebet, bir tenasüp, bir muvazenet lazımdır. Her bir cüzü, O ağacın mahiyetine göre bir şekil alır, bir suret verilir. İşte hiç görünmeyen ve halen görünmüyor. O ağaca dair biri çıksa, bir perde üstünde, onun her bir azasına mukabil birer resim çekse, birer hudut çizse, daldan meyveye, meyveden yaprağa bir tenasüple bir suret tersim etse ve birbirinden nihayetsiz uzak mepte ve müntehasının ortasında uzuvlarının aynı şekil ve suretini gösterecek muvafık tersimatla doldursa, Elbette şüphe kalmaz ki o ressam o gaybi ağacı gayba aşina nazarıyla görür, ihata eder, sonra tasvir eder. So let's assume a very tall and marvelous tree spreading wide. It is hidden under the veil of the unseen in the layer of concealment. As you know, similar to the bodily organs of a human being, all organs of a tree, such as its branches, fruits, leaves and flowers, have to have a certain connection as well as harmony and proportionality among them. So let's do this. Let's let's imagine a, a tree. But we do not see that tree. It is behind a veil. It is concealed. But we know that as human beings have organs, the trees are supposed to have organs, parts, uh, branches, fruits, leaves, flowers, etc., <coughs> And they have to have a certain connection. They have to be relating to one another in a certain way, in a, in a harmony and in, in a proportional way. 
every one of the three's parts takes shape and is given a form in accordance with a with the quiddity of that tree, with what that tree is. If it is an oak tree, it's going to have a certain shape. It's going to have this, you know, massive uh, trunk, and then it will have thick branches branching out. It's going to have leaves with five, you know, finger-like uh, protrusions, etc. If it is a pine tree, that's going. To, that's a different uh, story. It will have a particular bark. And then it's going to have these uh, evergreen leaves, the pin-like uh, leaves, right? Whatever that tree is, in, in accordance with its quiddity, its parts will take shape and it will give, be given a certain form. Now, if someone draws a picture corresponding to each of the organs of that tree that has never been seen, so no, it has never been seen, but somebody comes and draws a picture, and he's drawing as if he's seeing it. He knows the proportions, the harmony, and is not seen now either. That you know, the tree is not being seen now either. It has never been seen, and it is not being seen by us, by the onlookers, now either. If that person outlines its borders and sketches a matching figure of it from the branches to the fruits, then from the fruits to the leaves, if he fills in between the beginning and the end of the tree that are endlessly distant, so it's a huge tree, like right? very tall, magnificent, marvelous tree. If he fills all the details from the beginning to the end in, in every part of the tree that are endlessly distant from one another with congruent figures that show the exact shape and image of its organs, then then no doubt would be left that this painter sees that tree of the unseen with a sight familiar with the unseen, has a grasp of the entirety of the tree, and, and then he depicts it. He is doing it with such certainty and with such precision, and the image that comes into, uh, into, into existence before our, our eyes is so congruent and so perfect that we then understand that although we do not see that tree is behind the veil of the unseen for us, this person is familiar with the unseen, can see beyond that veil, through that veil. Aynen onun gibi. Kur'an-ı mucizül beyanın dahi hakikati mümkinata dair ki o hakikat dünyanın iptidasından tut, ta ahiretin en nihayetine kadar uzanmış ve ferşten arşa ve zerreden şemse kadar yayılmış olan şecere-i hırkatin hakikatine dair Beyanat-ı Furkaniyesi o kadar tenasübü muhafaza etmiş ve her bir uzva ve meyveye layık birer suret vermiştir ki bütün muhakkikler nihayeti tahkikinde Kur'an'ın tasvirine maşallah, barakallah deyip tılsım-ı kainatı ve muamma-i hilkati keşif ve fetheden yalnız sensin ey Kur'an hakim demişler. In the same way the elucidations of the Qur'an of miraculous elucidation, the criterion, right? That is the Qur'an. The Qur'an is the criterion, Furqan, the, the knowledge that separates truth from falsehood, good from bad, good from evil, beautiful from ugly. Once you apply its yardstick, everything become, becomes clear, right? The elucidations of the Qur'an of miraculous elucidation, the criterion, its elucidations about the realities of possible beings, 
which is the reality of the tree of creation that extends from the beginning of the world to the end of the hereafter and spreads from the earth to the throne and from particles to the sun preserves it preserves congruence to such an extent and provides each organ and fruit with such a fitting figure that all Gnostics have said, MashaAllah, what has God created? How beautiful has God created? BarakAllah, be, be you blessed. May God bless you. Upon their examinations of the Quran's depictions and concluded, you are the only one that unveils and opens up the code of the cosmos and the enigma of creation of oh, the wisdomful Quran. So, we imagine the tree behind the veil of the unseen and now let's look at reality and imagine reality as a tree but not a simple reality the reality as reality is from the beginning of creation from that first instant when god said be and it was be made maybe it was the big bang maybe something else it doesn't really matter for us from the very beginning of it to the hereafter and the hereafter to eternity and also, from the simplest, easiest, most concrete and substantive things that are in front of our eyes to the like, tips of our fingers to the throne that is being described in the Quran and the Prophet ﷺ describes us, etc. All of these that are mentioned in the Quran and depicted in the Quran fit together with such congruence, fit such harmony that there can be no lie in it. It cannot be that the one who is describing this does not see what he is describing. There is such a depiction that it reflects such congruence that nothing is missing from it. So the intellect, when it tries to see the limits of this, cannot go, can go, you know, so far. But beyond the point, it starts to doubt: is it this or is it that? There are many possibilities because this is brought out of the realm of possibilities right in the realm of possibilities there are endless number of possibilities so when the intellect tries to see it see this itself it's going to come to points where it will say okay is it this or that or that or that there are four five six endless number of possibilities which one only the one who sees things as they are will not hesitate there and and and, and say this is it, this is it, this is it. And each time we say we hear it saying, this is it, at the next point, we see that, yes, it was what it said because it was perfectly matching everything else that came came into uh, into to appearance, it came into sight before our eyes. And what comes after that is also confirming what it to told us. We look at the universe, one simple example, but a very important example. And we went over it when we did the 10th word, when we talked about Khash, uh, resurrection. The world appears to be an unfair place. We find ourselves here and we are filled with a desire to taste things, to uh, sample things, and to keep tasting and sampling. There is such beauty and perfection that we witness all around that we are attached to it. But it also comes to an end. And it comes to an end for everybody. Either the things that we are attached die or we, we die and we depart them altogether. And if this was the be all end all, this would be a very oppressive, dark, gloomy place. And it 
there is something that doesn't match in this. That darkness, that gloominess does not match the beauty that we are witnessing out there when we look at the sky or a growing tree or a beautiful flower. It doesn't match. Something is not working. We try hard. We try to figure out what might be going on. Our intellects, we push our intellects to their limits. We may you know, glean something. We may start to sense something. But there comes the Quran and tells us, look, you are here to be tested. This is just a trial. This is only a sample of the real thing that is beyond. And the real thing is endlessly more beautiful. But in order to taste that those delights, in order to witness that beauty and perfection that is to come, you need to behave in accordance with the the will of the one who created this whole thing and put you in it in order for you to look, see, understand, appreciate and be grateful and be praiseful for you to praise it, for you to glorify the one who created it. And then everything fits, everything falls in place. And as they would say, the other shoe falls. And we find ourselves in a state of ease and comfort and we move through this earth, move through this world in a state of joy. It becomes joyful. Life is joyful, enjoyable, beautiful. But when we look at it with the lens of monotheism, through the lens that shows things as things are, Otherwise, we find ourselves in that gloomy place. But this is not that gloomy place. We need the Qur'an. We need the Qur'an because it is the Qur'an that solves the, the, the, the code of the cosmos and the enigma of creation. Right? There is a code. If we know the code, we can read everything and it's all beautiful and meaningful. If we don't, we keep looking and looking and looking. It, it feels like meaningless. What is this? We don't get it. There is an enigma. There is a riddle. And once we solve that riddle, it is glorious. And it is the wisdomful Quran that shows us the, us the wisdom behind everything, that shows us how to solve that riddle. Now, if we don't feel the riddle itself, if you don't feel the enigma, if you don't witness that darkness, the way people felt it, the, the way they witnessed it before the Prophet Wasallam's arrival, or for those who have not received his message, as his message needs to be, must be uh, conveyed, for those who have received his message in falsified ways, or not received at all, right? Those are the ones who can really appreciate this, and we can appreciate it if we, you know, if we push ourselves and try to imagine and visualize what that means. Esma ve sıfat-ı ilahiye ve şuun ve ef'al-ı Rabbaniye'yi bir şecere-i tuğba-i nur hükmünde temsil edelim ki, o şecere-i nuraniyenin 
daire-i azameti ezelden ebede uzanıp gidiyor. Hududu kibriyası gayrı mütenahi fezai ıtlakta yayılıp ihata ediyor. Hududu icraatı Bismillah Yahulu beynel mer'i ve kalbihi Falikul habbi ve neva Huvellezî yusavvirukumu fil arhami keyfe yeşâ Hududundan tutta Vessemâvâtu matviyyâtum bi yemînih خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ فِي سِتَّةِ اَيَّامِ وَسَخْخَرَ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرِ Hududuna kadar uzanmış o hakikat-ı nuraniyeyi bütün dal ve budaklarıyla, gayet ve meyveleriyle o kadar tenasüple ve birbirine uygun, birbirine layık, birbirini kırmayacak, birbirinin hükmünü bozmayacak, birbirinden tevahhuş etmeyecek bir surette o hakaik-ı esma ve sıfatı ve şuun ve ef'ali beyan etmiştir ki, bütün ehli keşif ve hakikat ve daire-i melekutta cebelan eden bütün ashab-ı irfan ve hikmet o beyanat-ı furkaniyeye karşı Subhanallah deyip ne kadar doğru, ne kadar mutabık, ne kadar güzel, ne kadar layık diyerek tasdik ediyorlar. Alright. وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْعَلَى and to God is the highest similitude. This is Quran chapter 16, verse 60. And it is usually uh, used to initiate, to begin a, a metaphorical explanation or metonymy as they would call it. And an analogy, an allegory, a, a representation. And the, what we want to convey by reciting this phrase from the Quran is that God has the best similitudes he gives the best examples and all the best ex- uh, similitudes belong to him there is nothing that is defective or deficient about him everything about him is beautiful but we have to understand things in, in order to understand things we resort to language and language is, has limitations therefore when we are using analogy or representation we should not get stuck in the represent uh, in the limitations of language we should try to oversee them and try to see the reality that they are representing. So, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْعَلَى And to God is the highest similitude. No defect shall be sought in allegorical analogy. Let's depict the divine names and attributes and the lordly conduct and acts. So, God's names, attributes, and, and, and lordly conduct and acts. This is the... the the the foundation of the reality of the things that we see all around right the reality of things are god's names here we are talking about reality as reality is let's depict them but keep in mind we are using allegorical representation and analogy right we are not saying god is a tree khasha may, may god forget may god protect us from thinking such things we are using an analogy and therefore we should take it in accordance with the logic of analogy. Let's let's depict the divine names and attributes and the lordly conducts and acts as a tuba tree of light. Tuba tree is a tree that is uh, mentioned to be in, the, in, in, in paradise. As a tuba tree of light, that the circle of the tremendous, tremendousness of that luminous tree extends from pre-eternity to post-eternity. A tree of light 
that extends in such a tremendous and luminous tree that extends from pre-eternity to post-eternity. It's great boundaries that is before time and after time. It's great boundaries spread through and encompass the endlessly spreading space. So it's so big that it encompasses time and space. And time and space are both created. So this is coming from the one who created them and who is not created himself. Therefore, his names, attributes, conducts, acts extend beyond time, beyond space. They encompass time and space. It's great boundaries spread through and encompass the endlessly spreading space. It has, that is, the Quran has elucidated the luminous reality, the limits of whose execution extend from the boundary of Yahulu al Mar'i wa Qalbihi. That is, God comes between a man and his heart. That is, Quran chapter 8, verse 24. Habbi wa Nawa. It is God who splits open the seed and the fruit stone. This is Quran chapter 6, verse 95. And It is He who shapes you who shapes you all in the womb as He pleases. This is Quran chapter 3, verse 6. To the boundary of the heavens will be rolled up in his right hand. Quran chapter 39 verse 67. He created the heavens and earth in six days. Quran chapter 7 verse 54 and elsewhere. He has subjected the sun and the moon. Quran chapter 13 verse 2 with all of its branches and knots, ends and fruits included in such a way that that is so harmonious, so suitable and fitting for one another, without breaking one another and annulling each other's rulings, without being alienated from one another. Let's uh, read this again without uh, giving the references so that it may be more understandable. So we imagine that tree the Tuba tree of light uh, that is representing God's names, attributes, conducts, and acts from pre-eternity to post-eternity, and it's tremendous. We don't see it. It is not visible to us easily. We see its signs, but we need to interpret it. We need to, need, we need to know the code in order to you know, break the code and be able to read the meanings that are on it. We need a lens. We need a perspective. So the Quran provides that. The, the Quran has elucidated that luminous reality, the limits of whose execution. So the, that reality is being executed. It, it appears in the execution of his will, God's will. It extends from the boundary of God comes between a man and his heart. It is God who splits open the seed and the fruit stone. It is he who shapes you all in the womb as he pleases. So from the boundary of the tiniest, most secretive, most invisible 
smallest things, right, to the boundary of the heavens will be rolled up in his right hand. He created the heavens and earth in six days. He has subjected the sun and the moon to the biggest, most massive, most majestic things that we can imagine. That is, from pre-eternity to, to post-eternity, from the smallest thing to the greatest thing. The entirety of that tree, with everything included in it, with all of its branches. This is the Quran elucidating, depicting, giving us a picture of clarifying the details of that tree with all of its branches and knots, ends and fruits included in such a way. So branches, knots, ends, like where it reaches and ends, what the fruits of it, what its fruits are at those ends, right? Because fruits, fruit comes at the end of a branch. They're all included. It elucidates them in such a way that that is so harmonious, so suitable and fitting for one another, without breaking one another and annulling each other's rulings, without being alienated from one another. It has elucidated the realities of those names, attributes, conducts, and acts in such a way that before the elucidations of that criterion, that is the Quran, before its descriptions, clarifications, all people of unveilings and reality, people who have been given access to reality as reality is, from, from, from before whose eyes the veil of the unseen has been lifted, all the companions of Gnosis and Wisdom who stroll in the circle of domination affirm it saying SubhanAllah, glory be to God. And how accurate, how in correspondence, how fitting, how beautiful, how fitting it is. People who stroll in the circle of domination, what is that? Well, things have, the reality of things have multiple aspects to them. We look out and we see the moon. The moon is a physical object that is subject to what people came to call the law of gravity, a law that or, that's ordained by by God, and a a an article of the constitution of creation, the Sharia of of creation, right? And at such a distance from Earth with such a uh, circumference, with such a you know, f such physical qualities and chemical qualities, such a position in space, right? Moon, that is it. This is the nominal aspect of the moon as we know it, right? And that is what we see in the, in the circle of dominion or the realm of dominion. The thing is, there is another aspect to this moon. That is not visible to eyes that look at it with heedlessness, that look at it only to see the material aspect of the moon. And that is the meaning that this moon carries. And that is the subjugation of this moon. Why is it moving around the earth every 29 to 30 days? Why is it moving with the earth around the sun? Why is it rotating around itself at you know such a pace? Why is it happening? What is moving it? Gravity? Okay. But what is gravity? Where is gravity coming from? 
there is a force that is beyond, above and beyond all of these physical things, physicalities, beyond all of these mechanics. There is something that's moving the mechanics. You can have a machine and all pieces of the machine may be fitting perfectly with one another. But if you don't plug it to, to electricity, if it is a machine that works with electricity, it's not going to move. Nothing will happen. Right? There is a realm of what we call domination beyond the visible realm that we call the realm of dominion. And in that realm of domination, Gnostics, those who have been given access to it, have, have, have told us that the angels are in action. The angels who receive command directly from God and who are the most powerful things in the creation are moving things and also representing them. There, there is an angel that is appointed to the moon that is moving the moon, that's in charge of the motions of the moon and that is also representing the moon before the creation and before the creator and presenting its glorifications to the Creator and declaring God's majesty and beauty and perfection as manifest on the moon before the creation and to the Creator. So that is the realm of domination, the inner aspect of things, the angelic aspect of things. And even beyond that, that, that uh, realm, there is the domain of command where there is God's command alone and the angels don't have power either because angels are, right, where do they receive their power? They receive their power from Kun, the command, the realm of command, the the uh, the realm of Jabarut, like power, majestic power, right? So those who have been given access to that realm, the realm of domination, not the, the realm of command, but the realm of domination where the angels are, where where the the reality of things, the meanings of things are more clearly visible beyond veil, right? They look and they say, Glory be to God, subhanAllah. Yes, we are given access to those realities. Yes, we are witnessing things there beyond this veil but we are still still limited by the limitations of our perception by direction space time and we cannot see everything all together all at once we see parts of it we see pieces of it we see sections of it and from that we understand something and when we look at the Quran we see that it sees everything all together all at once from beginning to end in terms of time and in terms of space and everything every section every piece that we see there beyond beyond the veil fits perfectly in this things that we don't quite get we don't perfectly understand become clear we see the whole in the Quran the Quran is the place to go to see the whole, to see how everything fits together and together relates to the Creator and fulfills the, the, the ultimate function of creation in manifesting God's names, attributes, conducts, and ultimately His entity and glorifying Him. Glorifying Him. Mesela, 
bütün daire-i imkan ve daire-i vücuba bakan, hem o iki şecere-i azimenin bir tek dalı hükmünde olan imanın erkanı sittesi ve o erkanın bütün dal ve budakları ta en ince meyve ve çiçekler aralarında o kadar bir tenasüp gözetilerek tasvir eder ve o derece bir muvazenet suretinde tarif eder ve o mertebe bir tenasüp tarzında izhar eder ki aklı beşer idrakinden aciz ve hüsnüne hayran kalır. For example, the six pillars of faith that face the entire circle of possibility. The six pillars of faith, what are they? Right? They, we, we know them from the Amantu Billahi wa Malaikatihi wa Kutubihi wa Rasulihi wa Al-Yawmil Akhri wa Bil-Qadri Khayrihi wa Sharrihi min Allah Ta'ala wal-Ba'azu Ba'da al-Nabd Haqqun ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa Rasuluh this, this beautiful creed that we have You know that the six pillars of faith that one has to believe in in order to be a believer are like, are what? That there is God, God exists and He is one, that He has angels, that He has books He sends down to humans and the jinn, books and scrolls, that He sends prophets and messengers, Right? that good and bad are all from him. There is nothing in the creation that he did not create. He created everything and there is resurrection after death. Right? The six pillars of faith that face the entire circle of possibility and the circle of necessity and that are in effect one branch of those two tremendous trees and the branches and knots of those pillars depict the finest fruits and flowers in a way that preserves harmony between them to such a degree, in a form, with such proportionality, and with a style of that, with a style that reaches such a level of harmony that human intellect is left incapable of comprehension and amazed before its beauty. I'll read this again. The six pillars of faith that face the entire circle of possibility and the circle of necessity. So the circle of possibility is what we see in the creation. Everything in the creation was or is possible to come into existence or stay in non-existence. Somebody willed them into existence and that is why they are here. They were left between existence and non-existence. Somebody willed them into existence. The circle of necessity on the, on the other hand belongs to God. He is the necessarily existent being. There is no possibility about his existence. It was not possible for him and it is not possible for him not to exist. So the creation is on one side, God is on the other side. And the pillars of faith, faith, both of these circles, they connect these circles to one another. Monotheism is what connects belief in God and his oneness is what connects the creation to the creator. And then we have all those other articles of faith that explain us the nature of this connection, the meaning of this connection, and our responsibilities in that connection. The angels, right? The connection between the creator and the creation as we see creation, the, as we see the physical, substantive, visible aspect of creation. They are the intermediaries in the realm of domination. 
we live in the realm of, dom uh, of, of dominion and in the realm of domination behind the inner reality of these things they are the ones who receive the command and translate it into the realm of, of, of dominion and God did not need that translation he could have just created things without those intermediaries but there are wisdoms to that too there are wisdoms to that too. We talked about them very briefly. One, one wisdom is that God is majestic and we would not be able to, to perhaps tolerate that majesty if we were directly exposed to it. Therefore, there are intermediaries that he has placed between himself and us, like the causes, like the relationships in, uh, in in in the in the realm of uh, domain between things that we now think as causes and effects and beyond that he has placed the angels after the angels there is the realm of command so between god's entity and us there are veils and so you know according to some tra traditions 70,000 veils of darkness and light and only then the way we cannot look at the sun with a naked eye and we need to put perhaps a you know smoke glass or something like that in between only after after those 70,000 veils of light and darkness we are able to see these signs of creation otherwise we would not be able to see them because of their brightness because of their brilliance this is just one reason there are many other right so the articles of faith give us a perfect explanation of everything put together where we are where we came from where we are going to what we are doing here all of it the six pillars of faith that face the entire circle of possibility and the circle of necessity and that are in effect one branch of those two tremendous trees and the, so the trees circle of possibility and the circle of necessity we are imagining them as two tremendous trees and the branches and and knots of those pillars the details of these the, what what we learn from these pillars like we said belief in god but what does that mean that god exists and he is one next then god has essential attributes that we have to understand and believe in like again existence like knowledge like life like uh, you know, seeing like not being as created similar to created beings etc etc so there, this this branches out and then there are angels there are well there are the angels who carry the throne there are angels who are appointed to things the way we explained when we talked about the moon and appoint the angel to the moon there are angels that record our uh, good deeds and bad deeds and so on and so forth so th this branches out these articles of faith branch out they have branches and knots and fruits and flowers so that are in effect right the circle of possibility and the circle of necessity that are in effect one branch of those two tremendous trees so things come together there are two tremendous trees but the branch comes together and it becomes one branch and the branches and knots of those pillars depict the finest fruits and flowers in a way that preserves harmony between them between the circle of possibility and the circle of necessity between the creator and the creation and within the creation and within our understanding of the creator preserves harmony between them to such a degree in a form with such proportionality 
and with a style that reaches such a level of harmony that human intellect left alone. Right? Human intellect, when left alone, is left incapable of comprehension. The intellect would not be able to decipher this all. It's limited. And when it is presented with the whole reality, with such harmony and beauty and proportionality, it is left incapable of comprehension and is amazed before its beauty. How can it be so beautifully explained? How can it all fit together in such a beautiful way? I would never have been able to discern all of this. But, but, it is before my eyes. I'm, I'm reading it, I'm hearing it. This is the Quran of miraculous elucidation that is telling me what it is. Therefore, this can only be from the one who knows this all, who created it all, in whose, whose hand of power everything is. Ve o iman dalının bir budağı hükmünde olan İslamiyet'in erkanı hamsesi aralarında ve o erkanın ta en ince teferruatı ve en küçük adabı ve en uzak gayatı ve en derin hikemiyatı ve en cüz'i semeratına varıncaya kadar aralarında hüsnü tenasüb ve kemali münasebet ve tam bir muvazenet muhafaza edildiğine delil o Kur'an-ı Cami'in nusus ve vücuhundan ve işaret ve rumuzundan çıkan şeriatı kübra-i İslamiye'nin kemali intizamı ve muvazeneti ve hüsnü tenasübü ve resaneti cerh edilmez bir şahid-i adil şüphe getirmez bir burhan-ı katıdır. And as for evidence for the fact that a beautiful harmony, perfect connection and complete proportionality are preserved among the five pillars of Islam, which are in effect like a knot of the branch of that faith, right? We talked about the articles of faith. A branch, a knot on, on, the, on the branch of faith is the pillars of Islam. What are the pillars of Islam? We take the testimony of faith, say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasulu. That's our entry into Islam and, and belief. We pray perform prayer five times a day, we fast the month of Ramadan, we pay obligatory alms, zakat, and we perform hajj, go on pilgrimage. These are the five pillars of Islam. And Ustad Nursi is saying, these five pillars are in effect like a knot of the branch of faith. They, they live on the tree of faith. They are an aspect of faith. Aspect and consequence, product of faith. As for evidence, for the fact that a beautiful harmony, perfect connection and complete proportionality are preserved among the five pillars of Islam, all the way to their finest details, smallest etiquettes, furthest ends, deepest wisdoms, and most particular fruits, an irrefutable just witness, an undoubtable definitive demonstration to that that there is such harmony, connection, and complete proportionality among them is the perfect orderliness and proportionality and beautiful harmony and soundness of the great Sharia of Islam that emerges from the scriptures, various aspects, indications, and allusions of that comprehensive Quran. The Quran is a witness to the perfection of the 
the, the harmony, connection, and complete proportionality among those five pillars of Islam, and the that connection, proportionality, and harmony among those pillars of Islam, and the, in the in the great Sharia of Islam more broadly, is a witness to the Quran being the word of God and being miraculous and not being like any other source of wisdom or guidance or law or whatever. This is a witness to it and that's a witness to this. They they they endorse one another. Demek oluyor ki beyanat-ı Kur'aniye beşerin ilmi cüz'isine bahusus bir ümminin ilmine müstenid olamaz. Belki bir ilmi muhite istinad ediyor ve cemii eşyayı birden görebilir, ezel ebed ortasında bütün hakaikı bir anda müşahede eder bir zatın kelamıdır. Elhamdülillahillezî enzele, enzele alâ abdihile kitâbe ve lem yec'allehu ayveca. Bu hakikate işaret eder. In that case, the elucidations, statements of the Quran cannot rely on the partial knowledge of human beings and especially an illiterate one. In fact, it relies on an all-encompassing knowledge. It is the speech of an entity who sees all things together and observes all reality between pre-eternity and post-eternity at once. Alhamdulillahillazi anzala ala abdihi l-kitaba wa lam yaj'al lahu Praise be to God who sent down the scripture to his servant and made it unerringly straight. This is Quran chapter 18 verse 1. Points to this reality. This verse. Praise be to God. Alhamdulillah. Who sent down the scripture الذي أنزل على عبده الكتابة to his servant and made it unerringly straight. There is no error in it. وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ عِبَاجَ you, you, you cannot find. There is no error, no mistake, no defect, no deficiency in it. It depicts reality as reality is, 100%. Allahumma ya munazila al-Qur'an bihaqq al-Qur'an wa bihaqq man unzila alayhi al-Qur'an nawir qulubana wa quburana binur al-Iman wa al-Qur'an Amin, ya, ya musta'an. O God, who sent down the Qur'an for the sake of the Qur'an and the one to whom the Qur'an was sent, illuminate our hearts and graves with the light of faith and the Qur'an. Amin, O the one from whom solicitude is sought. Amin, amin. سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم وآخر الدعوة من الحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة